0: In this next episode, I was able to meet with Lynette Grable. Grable is the executive director as well as the founder of the nonprofit Not Our Native Daughters. From the website NotOurNativeDaughters.org, this organization is a Native American-led initiative which began as a training resource for tribes, social services, and law enforcement that focuses on violence against Indigenous women. Grable has publicly spoken about this issue for a very long time. She's done extensive work on the issue of human trafficking, and she even ran for Congress in Wyoming, so I wanted to make sure that she was featured in this podcast. Going back to the trailer episode of this podcast, in 2020, 405 Native American women and girls were reported missing in Wyoming, according to the State of Wyoming Missing and Murdered Indigenous People Report. And this number is alarming. So I wanted to bring focus and awareness to this issue that relates to indigenous people in the state of Wyoming as well as the Wind River Reservation. So I'm so thankful you are here. So let's begin. So um, if you would just want to introduce yourself and what you do um, in regards to the nonprofit, that would be awesome. Just so our listeners can get a little background of who you are.
1: Yes, of course. My name is Lynette Grable. Uh, My tribal affiliations are the Northern Arapaho tribe here at the Wind River Reservation. I'm also Hunkka Palakota from the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Uh, I am the executive director for the organization, Not Our Native Daughters. Um, I am the founder of Not Our Native Daughters and I created it uh, for the education uh, prevention work and the advocacy efforts of missing, um, murdered and exploited indigenous women and girls and persons.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. I just want to um, thank you for being on my podcast and taking time out of your day to do this. So one of the first questions that I came about in my research is there has to be a demand side to the issue of sex trafficking. Um, So in your work, have you came across issues of sex trafficking on the reservation?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what the... That's what the core of what my organization does. Um, We educate on the exploitation um, of indigenous persons and I train on human trafficking in Indian country. So it's not really a question if it's happening, Um, it is happening um, just like human trafficking is occurring all over the country, both in uh, urban and rural settings. And that does not exclude the reservation.
0: Yes, thank you. I think that's just one thing. First of all, like my whole goal is to just help educate Wyoming people on the issue of sex trafficking. And I do think that the issue of missing Indigenous women um, is huge and ignored in the state. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to show people that yes, we do need to focus on the issue of sex trafficking in Wyoming, but we also need to make sure that we are talking, communicating, and bringing awareness to how it comes to an effect on the Wind River Reservation. So with your nonprofit and your work, have you found that there's a root cause of sex trafficking um, in Wyoming or even on the reservation?
1: I mean, yes. I mean, as a a whole, just for all of Indian country um, across the nation and especially the states like ourselves here in Wyoming, where there is a um, extractive industry, a huge extractive industry, um, you know, sex trafficking is involved. Um, And, you know, what they found is that when there's an industry that is occupying, especially a rural region, um, it it brings the influx of of male workers. Um, And unfortunately with that influx of male workers in a very small rural region, um, and and you can find this just about anywhere and just about in any industry, you will find the exploitation of women, children, and even boys. Um, Most of the extractive industry uh, locations are nearby reservations. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're nearby a reservation, um, you know, they go to their closest, their closest targets. Um, And unfortunately, the tribal communities have been targets of exploitation. Um, And it it happens in different ways. You know, it's not just abduction. It's not just, you know, seeing somebody vulnerable and taking advantage of them. But it also, you know, there's stories of. You know, people who will come on the reservation and and say, you know, hey, we have jobs. Does you want to get hired? And, and and there will be a group of young people that will sign up for it, um, and they'll get picked up, and they're they're being taken to a man camp um, place or a place where the workers work, and they'll get exploited. And um, I even heard some cases where. You know, underage um, indigenous persons were were trapped in these in these living areas that was very remote, far away from anything else. Um, and they were exploited, raped, um, passed around even. And as young as, you know, I know a case as young as a three year old girl. So, I mean, this this is um, it's it, the extractive industry plays a huge part on human trafficking in general of any persons, um, but also, unfortunately, for um, Native American victims as well.
0: Right. So in some of my interviews and research, I look at how the media has depicted the issue of sex trafficking. And one movie that gets brought up is, of course, the movie Wind River, and that got a lot of attention. But how has the media depicted or not depicted this issue specifically to um, Indigenous people?
1: Yeah, you know, out of the MMIP task force here in Wyoming, uh, one of the great efforts that came out of that task force was the MMIP statewide um, uh, Wyoming um, report. And in that report, um, and of course, this this came from Professor Emily Grant of WISAC of of UW, um, one of the findings and and this was this was not the first report that that kind of narrowed in on this uh, findings but you know they they compared missing person cases across the state of Wyoming in the course of 10 ten years and they looked at articles both from the newspaper angle you know uh, social media and of course uh, news outlets and you um, one of the findings was that when a native person went missing, um, it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a prompt story. It was usually, you know, a couple days or even a week or longer before their story was able to get um, in those news outlets. But also they were depicted um, in, um, I guess, a, a light where there was negative, um, negative negative. Uh, phrasing of that person. Um, Compared to um, the other cases who were non-native and mostly white um, that were missing or even found murdered, they were usually, you know, their stories usually came out the same day um, or at least within 24 hours. Um, Their stories hit all the, the news media sources um, like I said, from newspaper to news, you know, media and social media, um, and they were able to be, you know, presented um, with good words and usually highlighted their family or whatever the work they did, or they were a student, you know, and those, those type of, of framing and verbiage was not the same for Indigenous persons.
0: Right. I'm glad that you bring that up because I do think the media has a huge impact on what the issue of sex trafficking looks like, um, not only like nationally, but also within the state. So what do you think is the best way to relay information about sex trafficking to the public, Um, especially in Wyoming, but also focusing on the Wind River Reservation?
1: I think the first uh, steps is to educate them you know when i started not already have daughters you know i i was working for prior to that i was working to some for some national human trafficking organizations and um and child sex trafficking organizations and you know i partnered with with many great um human trafficking entities like shared hope and polaris um, some other ones and you know they did amazing work but one of the things that i found was that they didn't have anybody specifically within their organization or network that was like zero in on human trafficking in tribal communities. And so that's one of the reasons why I started Not Our Native Daughters um, was to get that education out there. And, you know, 10 years ago, you know, people weren't talking about human trafficking like they were now. And so, you know, we were, I was at a starting point and had, a starting point on how do I, you know, educate people on this? How do I get the prevention out there and the awareness? And again, it just comes back to education. It, it comes back to training. Um, when I do my trainings, um, you know, one year I, I uh, well, a couple of years in a row, I trained at the, the national, uh, I mean, the statewide um, Native American Education Conference. And one of the things I do before I do my trainings is I ask if. Any of them, and they're they're mostly all teachers or principals or staff of schools. Um, I I do a poll to see how many of them have had child sex trafficking training or have had human trafficking in the country training, and most of the times it's only like probably one or two people, you know, of a of an audience of you know sixty or more. And so to me that's 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 really important because you know, we uh, I did some trainings in some other states for schools and middle schools and high schools. And out of those years of training, Training that I collectively did with other um, advocates and presenters is we found that after we did the work of training all these schools in one county and then going to another county, after the work was done, we found that teachers were able to identify human trafficking within their classrooms. They were able to see if other children or teens were recruiting other teens. And usually that's how it works um, because You know, we talk about coercion and especially young people, they're, they're, they can be very easily manipulated. They can be, you know, tricked into, you know, this type of lifestyle. They can be groomed into it. Like, I love you. Don't you want to do this for us? Things of that nature. And so it's really, you know, we found for those of us who've done the work in the anti-human trafficking field, even, you know, law enforcement can say this, but, you know, it's really easy to coerce a, a youth or children. And so it's important that people who work with the community, not just teachers, but those who integrate with the community are educated on it so they're able to identify it. And they're able to do something about it. Um, another one of my trainings that I focused in on for, for the past several years is hospitality training for hotels and for hotels and casinos. Uh, me and a group of others, um, we used to do this every year and they still do it, but we did Super Bowl trainings uh, six months prior to the Super Bowl. Anytime there was a Super Bowl in this city or this town, because there would be an influx of, of human trafficking. Um, in that region, just because of the influx of the hype of the Super Bowl and people coming in and out of town. And, and we had to reach, we would train all the, the um, hotels in that region. And one of the things that we found um, was that we were able to rescue collectively. And of course, this is what other organizations and this is what my partner organization, uh, Free International, who focus on, on um, um, helping identify children in the, in the human trafficking world. But every year that the trainings were done in these regions and in these cities, um, children, usually over 100, were able to be identified in hotels, and they were be able to be rescued. So the training part, I think, is a crucial key for any community, but also for, for, you know, the tribal communities. It's imperative that we get trained on it because it happens everywhere, and it happens right beneath our nose within our community.
0: Right. So as a white woman and not trying to fall into that white savior complex, what can we do to help this issue? Um, Because, or build that trust with Native American people because, you know, for the longest time, you know, um, white people have mistreated, have discriminated against Native American people. So to rebuild that trust, how can we help the Wind River Reservation and the issue of sex trafficking?
1: Yeah, and thank you, Brooke, for that. I, I appreciate that that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think it's it's um, hard for non natives to really recognize that, and you know, and I, and I say this when I speak. You know, when we talk about racism and even blatant racism. That a lot of us Native Americans face on a daily basis um, in Wyoming, you know, I, I never bring it up to make people feel bad or, you know, make them feel guilty or anything like that. But, you know, one thing I always say is if we want to heal anything, we have to reveal it. We have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I would say that, you know, non-natives and our and our neighbors who, you know, are willing to, you know, help. On the issue, what can they do to kind of um, support it and then educate on it? You know, I and I always say this. You know, you know, educate first your 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 home, your home stable. You know, your family. You know, your friends, uh, your coworkers. Um, and I really say, you know, it doesn't really matter what field of work anybody does, but it's good to share that knowledge in your workplace as well. Um, and I, I, I always say those are the first steps. Um, I, I will share something that I found remarkable um, that happened to me uh, probably say about six or seven weeks ago, but I was contacted by a mother, um, a white mother, and she was just the sweetest thing, but she called me. Um, and this was right after um, Christmas. And she said, you know, hi, um, you know, and she told me her name. And she just says, I'm contacting you because, not because of myself, but because of my son. She says, every Christmas, their grandmother um, asks them what they want. And I guess the grandmother gives the grandchildren a spending limit on what they can do or what they can buy or what, or even just get the money, um, or they have the option of donating that money to an organization. And she said her 15-year-old son um, did or got a whiff or somewhere um, he heard about missing, murdered and indigenous uh, women uh, heard about it and he just did. She said he spent days and hours just researching the issue. And he proposed to his grandmother and told his parents that he wanted to donate the money to not our Native daughters. And so when she called me and told me this, it really just, you know, brought me to a place of emotion because I thought for one, it's the sweetest thing, but that is the power of people who live outside of our community who you know are educated about the issue and then they want to act upon it you know not everybody can donate money but we all can share the stories and i think sharing the stories and and sharing the issue i think that is probably the most powerful thing anybody can do
0: Uh, That story is so awesome. It's awesome that even like people, you know, that young are seeing that there's an issue and that they can help. Um, I think that's a good way to foster that communication is start at a young age, start, like you said, um, communicating with family and friends and people in the workplace. So that's awesome. So I guess for the last thing, um, What could, like, as me or my listeners, what could we do to help not our Native daughters? Um, Of course, we can donate, but is there any way that we could volunteer or um, reach out to help in any different way?
1: Yeah, um, well, um, I am launching a domestic violence and sexual assault and human trafficking safe house shelter here within the next 30 days um that's been my most <laughs> extensive work I've been doing in the beginning of this year right. um and so we will we will have a, a shelter um on the Wind River Reservation and um if anybody wants to donate you know anything I you know hygiene um stuff uh things for women children um blankets um you know anything they can think of Um, Even lightly used um, stuff would also be accepted, you know, but I'm in the process of launching a shelter, but also incorporating a trauma-informed care program to help with the victims that do come, excuse me, come into our services. But all of that will help because, you know, most people who are in these situations, they basically just come with a shirt on their back. They don't come with any extensive stuff, especially for the children. So anyhow, if anybody wants to donate it for that, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, another thing that, you know, a person might want to do to uh, help the issue is, you know, Request a training in your area, requested training in your community. You know, um, my, myself and of course I, I work with other, you know, human trafficking advocates um, across the state with other organizations. We're always up to come and, and educate and, you know, just have a community meeting and, and talk about it and, and, and even go over some, some cases that could be from that region. You know, when we do case studies, you know, we don't say the names of course, and we don't, you know, give all that information, but we can tell the story. And that's the way we're able to to kind of educate them on that, and, and even create prevention.
0: Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for um, joining me and doing this interview with me. I really appreciate it. But also, thank you for all the work that you are doing, and all the time and effort that you've been putting into not only not our native daughters, but this shelter. But also, thank you so much for putting all the work in that you do for Wyoming, for the state. For people who reside here, um, so I just I really do appreciate all the work that you've put in um, to the state of Wyoming as well as Wind River Reservation.
1: Thank you, Brooke, and thank you for your willingness to you know speak with me and you know give me a, a platform and a, and a space to to discuss this. Um, and I. I I thank you for your for your passion as well, it definitely. I can definitely see it will take you very far. So, But thank you and reach out to me anytime. I'm always here to, to help in any way.
0: For more information about Not Our Native Daughters, go to notournativedaughters.org. This website has a lot of information. You can learn more about their initiative. You can learn about trainings as well as services and even how to get involved. And most importantly, if you feel inclined, there is a way to donate, whether that is through money or even items for the new shelter. I think this is a great way to bring awareness to the issue as well as help their initiative. As always, the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. If you are in need or you have any information, please don't hesitate to call.